Well, good morning. Good morning. Welcome to Zion Lutheran Church on this sixth Sunday of Easter. Before we get to announcements and our prelude and our worship, we first have a special presentation in song. So we will begin with that. announcements to share with you before we begin our worship. First, just a big thank you to all who were able to come to our cleanup day yesterday. I think I counted 10 people or so, uh, but we got some necessary chores done, and if you ever make it down to the basement, you'll see that it looks much less scary today than it did <laughs> last week. So uh, thanks to everyone who was able to participate and to help so we could get some of that stuff done. Um, also, just one announcement, our, we were contacted last week by our florist to let us know that they need to raise altar flower prices for us from $15 a vase to $20 a vase. Uh, this is the first price increase that they've given us since 2008. Uh, so very reasonable as far as raising flower costs. Uh, beginning in June, then... Uh, a flower vase will be $20 a piece. Uh, if you've already signed up and you do not want to pay the $20 for the vase, please let Rose know uh, so we can get you off the list. However, just anticipate if you have signed up for flowers, they are now going to be $20 a vase starting in June. Right, are there any other announcements or any prayer requests for the congregation this morning? Yeah, Judy. Gloria Grant was back in the hospital, but just out, you know, in and out. Okay. And yeah. I had a classmate, Gerald and Yoko, all of them passed away at Spain. Okay. Yeah. 
Yeah, we'll keep Gloria in our prayers for sure. Any other prayer requests? All right, about this time I'll invite you to quiet your hearts and quiet your minds as we listen to the prelude and prepare for worship. invite you to stand. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Almighty God, to whom all hearts are open, all desires known, and from whom no secrets are hid, cleanse the thoughts of our hearts by the inspiration of your Holy Spirit, that we may perfectly love you and worthily magnify your holy name, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he who is faithful and just will forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Let us confess our sin in the presence of God and of one another. Most merciful God, we confess that we are happy to sin and cannot free ourselves. We have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed. By what we have done, and by what we have left undone, we have not loved you with our whole heart. We have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. For the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on us. Forgive us, renew us, and lead us, so that we may find your will and walk in your ways. To the glory of your holy name. Amen. In the mercy of Almighty God, Jesus Christ was given to die for you. And for his sake, God forgives you all your sins. As a called and ordained minister of the Church of Christ and by his authority, I therefore declare to you the entire forgiveness of all your sins. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.
the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. And also with you. In peace, let us pray to the Lord. For the peace from above and for our salvation, let us pray to the Lord. For the peace of the whole world, for the well-being of the Church of God, and for the unity of all, let us pray to the Lord. For this holy house and for all who offer here their worship and praise, let us pray to the Lord. Help, save, comfort, and defend us, gracious Lord. Almighty and ever-living God, you hold together all things in heaven and on earth. In your great mercy, receive the prayers of all your children, and give to all the world the spirit of your truth and peace. Through Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Amen. A reading from Acts. 
Paul stood in front of the Areopagus and said, Athenians, I see how extremely righteous you are in every way. For as I went through the city and looked carefully at the objects of your worship, I found among them an altar with the inscription, To an unknown God. What therefore you worship as unknown, this I proclaim to you. The God who made the world and everything in it, he who is Lord of heaven and earth, does not live in shrines made by human hands, nor is he served by human hands as though he needed anything, since he himself gives to all mortals life and breath and all things. From one ancestor he made all nations to inhabit the whole earth, and he allotted the times of their existence and the boundaries of the places where they would live, so that they would search for God and perhaps grope for him and find him though indeed he is not far from each one of us. For in him we live and move and have our being, as even some of your own poets have said, for we too are his offspring. Since we are God's offspring, we ought not to think that the deity is like gold or silver or stone, an image formed by the art and imagination of mortals. While God has overlooked the times of human ignorance, now he commands all people everywhere to repent because he has fixed a day on which he will have the world judged in righteousness by a man whom he has appointed. And of this, he has given assurance to all by raising him from the dead. The word of the Lord. We will now intone Psalm 66. from 1 Peter. Who will harm you if you are eager to do what is good? But even if you do suffer for doing what is right, you are blessed. Do not fear what they fear, and do not be intimidated, but in your hearts sanctify Christ as Lord. Always be ready to make your defense to anyone who demands from you an accounting for the hope that is in you. Yet do it with gentleness and reverence. 
Keep your conscience clear so that when you are maligned, those who abuse you for your good, for your good conduct in Christ may be put to shame. For it is better to suffer for doing good, if suffering should be God's will, than to suffer for doing evil. For Christ also suffered for sins once for all, the righteous for the unrighteous, in order to bring you to God. He was put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the spirit, in which also he went and made a proclamation to the spirits in prison, who in former times did not obey, when God waited patiently in the days of Noah, during the building of the ark, in which a few, that is, eight persons, were saved through water. And baptism, which this prefigured, now saves you, not as a removal of dirt from the body, but as an appeal to God for a good conscience, through the resurrection of Jesus Christ, who has gone into heaven and is at the right hand of God, with angels, authorities, and powers made subject to him. The word of the Lord. Gospel according to St. John. Jesus said to the disciples, If you love me, you will keep my commandments. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to be with you forever. This is the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him because he abides with you, and he will be in you. I will not leave you orphaned. I am coming to you. In a little while, the world will no longer see me, but you will see me. Because I live, you also will live. On that day, you will know that I am in my Father, and you in me, and I in you. They who have my commandments and keep them are those who love me. And those who love me will be loved by my Father, and I will love them and reveal myself to them. The Gospel of the Lord. I invite you to be seated. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. All right, we'll go back to your elementary English class for just a moment. And in there, you will remember learning your parts of speech. Right? You'll remember your eight parts of speech, maybe. But you'll remember learning that a noun, of course, is a person, place, thing, or idea, and that a verb is an action word. And so in our gospel reading this morning, Jesus is promising the Holy Spirit to his disciples. All right, so the Holy Spirit is a noun. He is a person, the third person of the Holy Trinity, who is one God in three persons. And so Holy Spirit, of course, is a noun. But sometimes, and I tell this to kids in catechism, it's helpful to think of the Holy Spirit as a verb, an action word, because the Holy Spirit is God acting in us. The catechism says that the Holy Spirit calls, enlightens, and sanctifies us. So when we are baptized, the Holy Spirit comes to act in our life, and he acts in us for the rest of our lives until the very last day when we are raised from the grave and given eternal life. In the gospel reading, as Jesus promises the Holy Spirit's coming to the disciples, he calls the Holy Spirit the paraclete. Now, our translation uses the word advocate instead of paraclete, because paraclete's a Greek word, and which is fine. 
But I think we want to understand what exactly Jesus means when he calls the Holy Spirit an advocate. So some people read this and they try to make the Holy Spirit into a lawyer. Now everyone says they dislike lawyers, but that's not really true. Because if you're in a legal pickle, you want a lawyer. Lawyers become very valuable. If you're in court facing charges, you want a lawyer advocating for you. You might remember the old Lincoln quote that a person who represents himself has a fool for a client. And so sometimes we think, well, if we're standing before God, we need an advocate. We need a lawyer because to open our mouth before God would prove us to be fools. And so some see this word advocate and they see that maybe this is the Holy Spirit representing us against God's judgment. But I think it's important not to jump to that conclusion because I don't think that's what Jesus is getting at. Because as a Christian, you don't need a lawyer to stand in front of God. You're already forgiven. Jesus has already taken the judgment for you. Just as 1 Peter says, Christ has already suffered to bring you to God once and for all. God is not standing over you, accusing you. And so when Jesus calls the Holy Spirit the advocate, what he is saying is that the Holy Spirit is God's advocate to you. In other words, the Holy Spirit comes to you and he proclaims to you the promises of God's word. The Holy Spirit is a preacher for you and he is advocating on God's behalf to you. And not only is he advocating, not only is he preaching to you, but the Holy Spirit is acting in you. He is making God's word work in your heart. And he's actively making you a person who loves God. Throughout scripture, God demands that you love him. In fact, that's the first and most important commandment. You shall love the Lord your God with your whole heart, mind, and soul. But that's a problem. Because how can you demand love? How can you command someone to love you? You can't say to someone, you are going to love me or else. And no matter how hard you try to love God, you can't simply generate it yourself. It's not in your power. And so what Christ is showing us here is that indeed God does demand our love, but that God does not expect us to love him from our own free will, to come up with it on our own because that's not going to happen. In our own free will, we might love ourselves. We might love the many idols we set up in our lives. We might love a lot of things, but we will not love God. So instead of God waiting on us to love him, God creates love in our hearts through the Holy Spirit. And so Christian love is the fruit of holding on to the promises of God. God gives us his promises. He promises to forgive us, to redeem us, to sanctify us, to give us eternal life. We love God when we trust that those promises are true for us. And we trust that those promises are true for us when the Holy Spirit comes to us, enlightens our heart, and preaches these promises to us. And so it has nothing to do with our abilities or our free will but it has to do entirely with the spirit of truth who brings God's promises to our heart. And so some people will read John 14, 15 and be alarmed. Right? Jesus says, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. 
Well, that can be terrifying. It can be a terrifying word of law. We hear that, and maybe we immediately start to look inward. Wait, do I really love Jesus? Am I keeping his commandments? Oh, no, I might be in trouble because I don't know how I feel about Jesus today. Maybe I don't feel anything. Do I love him enough? Am I keeping his commandments? But we remember what Jesus has told us, which is he does not want our hearts to be troubled. So what Jesus is saying here is that the Holy Spirit comes to you, he gives you God's promises, and that leads to you loving God. Love is the fruit of the tree that the Holy Spirit makes you to be through receiving the forgiveness of sins, through the preaching of God's many promises to you. Love is the result and the consequence of trusting in the word of promise. And of course, it must be said that love is not a feeling. It's not butterflies in your tummy. Love is not the warm feeling that you see when you see someone attractive. Love is not simply the excitement of a new relationship. Instead, love comes out of knowing that someone is genuinely faithful to you and that you can trust their promise to forsake all others for you. Love is the result of being true to one another. And so God is always true to us. He is always faithful to us. So his love is never in question. Our love, of course, is not so certain. We wander like lost sheep. We come up with idols to put our trust in. We try to push God out of our lives in many ways. And so God simply gives us the love we need. He doesn't wait for us to love him. He gives it to us through his spirit. And God says, you are going to hear my word of forgiveness over and over and over. And out of that word is growing the love in your heart for God. Out of that word, our hearts grow, knowing that only God is worthy of our true devotion. So that's why marriage itself in the New Testament becomes a picture of God's love for the church. It is, as St. Paul says in the book of Ephesians, marriage is a great mystery, and I'm applying it to Christ in the church. So this is on my mind this week because I get to preside over my first celebration of marriage later this week. And so I'm thinking about how marriage itself reflects this truth of what God does in our hearts. Because we know as Christians, or we ought to know, that the love of a husband and wife is not love that is based on just a feeling. It's not love that's based just on interior introspection. It's not based on the butterflies in my tummy. Feelings are fine. Feelings are good and necessary. But feelings evolve, feelings change, feelings become uncertain. And so we see the disasters that believing that love is primarily about an interior feeling and the disasters that this has created in our modern world. Because there becomes an assumption that once a feeling changes in a marriage, that the marriage has a critical problem. Rather than facing the reality that feelings are up and down, they go in cycles, they change, and so people base their love, they base their trust on simply a feeling. And that becomes a problem. Each party of the marriage might begin sinfully to try to find that feeling somewhere else. And so life becomes about chasing feelings. Marital love, however, is something different. Marital love is the fruit of a promise. 
of course, that promise that you make when you're married is to be with the other, to comfort, to love, to honor, to forsake all others in sickness and in health and poverty and wealth. And so when we put our trust into our spouse's word, that's how love begins to grow in a marriage. A feeling itself does not make love. Being true to a word makes love. And this is what the Holy Spirit gives to us as the spirit of truth. He teaches us that God's promises are true, that God does not give up on us or his promises. And so when God says you are forgiven, then you really are forgiven. When God calls you his child, then you really are his child. When God says he will not leave you orphaned, but he is coming to you, then you can know that he walks with you through all the struggles of this life. And so you do not have to look inward to try to find a feeling about God. You don't have to try to produce or generate a feeling because that's not where you're going to find your love for God. You will find your love for God in his promises. Jesus says, because I live, you will live. That's what Christ wants you to hold on to. As husband and wife hold on to the I do of their marital vows to know what love looks like, you can hold on to Jesus' promise. Because I live, you will live. That's what love of God looks like, holding on to that promise. And so through the preaching of the word, the Holy Spirit advocates God's faithfulness to you. He says, look at this word, hear this word, receive this word, because that's where your life is. That's what you hold on to. And that's how he creates love in your heart. Amen.
together, let us stand and confess our faith with the words of the Nicene Creed. We believe in one God, the Father, the Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, of all that is seen and unseen. We believe in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only Son of God, eternally begotten of the Father, God from God, life from life, true God from true God, begotten not made, of one being with the Father, through him all things were made, for us and for our salvation. Pray for the whole Church of God in Christ Jesus and for all people according to their needs. O oh Lord, you bless and protect your people in a world where many false gods, known and unknown, are worshipped. Give your saints a clear and bold proclamation of Jesus Christ. Lord, in your mercy. Lord of heaven and earth, you have given the spirit of truth to dwell in us through holy baptism. Grant your spirit steadfast guidance that the feet of this congregation may not slip into sin and unbelief, but live always in praise of you before the world. Lord, in your mercy. Father in heaven, you have given us a mirror of your love in the vocation of mothers who nurture, guide, and raise their children in all good things. Bless them in their calling. Sustain them through weary and difficult times and console all who long to be mothers, children estranged from their mothers, anyone who grieves the loss of a mother, and mothers who have lost children. Support all for whom this day is difficult. Lord, in your mercy. Creator, you made, you made from one man all the nations of the earth, and still you sustain us. Grant good leaders in every land who will seek peace and serve justice, and especially bless our President Joseph and our Governor Richard Michael. Lord, in your mercy. Hear our prayer. Grant healing according to your will and sustain in faith those, who, those for whom we pray, especially Charlie and Jane, Linda, Allison, Linda, Steve, Roxanne, Rose, Marilyn, Tony, Carolyn, and Gloria. Lord, in your mercy. We give you thanks for the salvation and life you give to us through Jesus Christ. You do not leave your people as orphans, but strengthen us with the body and blood of your Son. Help us then to receive what you offer in the sacrament for our good, so that Holy Communion may strengthen our faith and equip us for your service. Lord, in your mercy. Yeah. 
all these things and whatever else you know that we need. Grant to us, dear Father, for the sake of him who died and rose again, and now lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Amen. Peace of the Lord be with you always. Holy God, gracious and merciful, you bring forth food from the earth and nourish your whole creation. Turn our hearts toward those who hunger in any way, that all may know your care. And prepare us now to feast on the bread of life, Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord. Amen. The Lord be with you. And also with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is indeed right, our duty and our joy, that we should at all times and in all places give thanks and praise to you, Almighty and merciful Father, for the glorious resurrection of our Savior Jesus Christ, the true Paschal Lamb who gave himself to take away our sin, 
who in dying has destroyed death and in rising has brought us to eternal life. And so with Mary Magdalene and Peter and all the witnesses of the resurrection, with the earth and sea and all their creatures, and with angels and archangels, cherubim and seraphim, we praise your name and join their unending Indeed, holy, almighty, and merciful God, you are most holy, and great is the majesty of your glory. You so love the world that you gave your only Son, so that everyone who believes in him may not perish, but have eternal life. We give you thanks for his coming into the world to fulfill for us your holy will, and to accomplish all things for our salvation. In the night in which he was betrayed, our Lord Jesus took bread and gave thanks broke it and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take and eat, this is my body given for you. Do this for the remembrance of me. Again, after supper, he took the cup, gave thanks, and gave it for all to drink, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood, shed for you and for all people for the forgiveness of sin. Do this for the remembrance of me. For as often as we eat of this bread and drink from this cup, we proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Christ has died. Christ is risen. Christ will come again. Remembering, therefore, his solitary command, his life-giving passion and death, his glorious resurrection and ascension, and the promise of his coming again, we give thanks to you, O Lord God Almighty, not as we ought, but as we are able. We ask you mercifully to accept our praise and thanksgiving and with your word and Holy Spirit to bless us, your servants, and these, your own gifts of bread and wine, so that we and all who share in the body and blood of Christ may be filled with the heavenly blessing and grace, and receiving the forgiveness of sin, may be formed to live as your holy people, and be given our inheritance with all your saints. To you, O God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, be all honor and glory in your holy church, now and forever. Amen. Amen. Lord, remember us in your kingdom and teach us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Thanks be to God.
Christ strengthen you and keep you in his grace.
congregation, I invite you to stand. Let us pray. We give you thanks, Almighty God, that you have refreshed us through the healing power of this gift of life. In your mercy, strengthen us through this gift in faith toward you and in fervent love toward one another. For the sake of Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. bless you and keep you. The Lord's face shine on you with grace and mercy. The Lord look upon you with favor and give you peace. Peace, serve the Lord. Thanks be to God.